0: Thank you for that. Take your Bible, please, and open up to Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13. We want to do the best we can to teach and preach and uh, strengthen and present every Christian perfect in Christ Jesus in 2019. We're doing the best we can to encourage all Christians to serve the Lord and get in a harness where he'd have us be and be productive. A couple of years ago, a man heard about a particular fruit market in Hawaii. He had the opportunity to visit Hawaii, and he went there to that fruit market. And then when he got back home to Canada, he wrote the following review on tripadvisor.ca. Here's what he wrote. When in Hawaii, I expected to see an overabundance of fruits, but if they were there, I didn't see them this place, referring to the fruit stand that he went to, this place was small, dimly lit, dirty, and had hardly any fruits or vegetables. Don't waste your time. And that was the review that went all around the world for that one fruit stand that was supposed to have good fruit. It reminds me of the time in Mark chapter eleven when the Lord Jesus and his disciples approached the fig tree, expecting to find figs and found none, and so the Lord cursed that fig tree, and the next day the disciples noticed that the tree had withered. Not interesting. Well, in keeping with our overall theme this year of serving the Lord, I'd like to speak with you this morning on this subject: Are you a fruit-bearing Christian? Now, that's a legitimate question that each one of us needs to face. Let's look to the Lord first in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, please help us. Have the Holy Spirit be our teacher, our preacher, our instructor. Have Him to uh, 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 correct where correction is needed, to comfort where comfort is needed, to lead and guide all of us. And we pray that you'd please help now in the, this portion of Scripture. Help us to absorb its truths and to turn that into fruit for you. Our Father, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. How many here have uh, a fruit tree? you raise your hand if you have a fruit tree in your property? Oh, okay, it's about half a dozen or so, seven or eight maybe. Why in the world would anyone want to plant a fruit tree on their property? What's the obvious answer? to get some fruit. That's right. That's why we would plant a pear tree in order to get what? Pears. An apple tree to get what? Apples, right. A spaghetti tree in order to get what? I'm just testing you. Just checking you out there if you're with me here today. The word fruit comes from fructus. Our English word fruit comes from fructus. It means enjoyable. That's the basic root of the word. It means something enjoyable. Isn't that nice to know? And generally, fruit is just that. It's something very enjoyable. Now, if your fruit tree bears fruit, then that's good. It's doing what it's supposed to do. And in fact, we would say that the fruit tree is profitable. If it bears fruit, that's what it's supposed to do. That's why you planted it. And therefore, that fruit tree is now profitable to you, the owner. The word profit means progress. There's different kinds of profit. There's, of course, financial profit. That one's very common. But there's also spiritual profit. And there's even physical profit as well. Now, for a moment, let's talk about profit or fruit, if you will, as it relates to money. Now... A man has a garage sale. He decides to have a garage sale. Why does he want to have a garage sale? In order to make what? Money. Right. A profit. He wants to sell the junk he bought at last year's garage sale. He wants to resell that maybe, get his money back, but he wants to make a profit. He wants to get some cash. He wants to turn it, liquidate it into cash. We sell things on the internet. Why? To make a profit. We buy and sell houses hoping to make a profit. Boy, there's a big one, isn't it? You wouldn't buy and sell houses hoping that you lose money each time, would you? No one that I know does that. We trade our time and our skills to an employer in exchange for profit. We call it money or paycheck, but that's a profit. Some of us take on extra work. Why? To make a profit. Now, what if you, what if you took a job and you continually lost money. So you've got certain needs every week, every month, and your income, you would hope, would be not just to meet the needs, but a little more. But supposing you took a job where your income was actually below your basic needs every month. So every month you're going deeper and deeper and deeper into debt. How long would you keep that job? Does it make any sense? Unless there's extenuating circumstance, most people would get rid of that job or go to the employer and say i need a raise or something there's nothing wrong with making a financial profit as long as it's done right and i suggest there's two right ways number 1 is there must be labor involved none of this get rich quick stuff proverbs 14:23 says in all labor there is profit number 2 It must be done by honest means. Lying and cheating to make a profit is not right, and God will not bless it. Proverbs 21, 6, The getting of treasures by a lying tongue is a vanity tossed to and fro of them that seek death. That's how strong God feels about it. Now, there are some things that will profit you both here in this life and throughout eternity. In 1 Timothy 4.8, Paul wrote, For bodily exercise profiteth little. That means for a little time while you're on earth. But godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. So godliness will profit you not only in this life but in the next life as well. And we'll talk about that more in a few minutes. But there are some things in life that are not profitable. They are not profitable. Proverbs 10 verse 2, Treasures of wickedness profit nothing but righteousness delivereth from death. Proverbs eleven four. Riches profit not in the day of wrath. That means God's wrath against you or the devil's wrath against you, but righteousness delivereth from death. You know, you look at the life of Solomon and he was one of the wealthiest men of the world. But Solomon himself declared that all of his financial profits were in themselves of no profit at all. He wrote in Ecclesiastes 2.11. He said, Then I looked on all the works of my hands that my hands had wrought and on all the labor that I had labored to do, and behold, all was vanity and vexation of spirit, and there was no profit under the sun. Folks, it's an illusion to think that money will bring you happiness. It's an illusion to think that a bigger paycheck is all you need. That is a lie of the devil. That is illusion. And get this. It is sorrow to make money your goal. If you're here today and your secret goal is to become a millionaire or some kind of figure in your mind and that's your goal in life, you are inviting sorrow. It's like opening the front door to sorrow. Say, how do you know that? God tells us that in 1 Timothy 6.10. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after they have erred from the faith. That's why some people leave church. They have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Oh, the sorrow may not come tomorrow. It may not come next Tuesday, but it will come. It may take a month, a year, five years, ten years. But at some point, you'll lift up your head and say, What a fool I've been. And I've sacrificed so much. I've sacrificed my health. I've sacrificed my family. All for what? And so many, many people have done that. Let me tell you of 12 financially wealthy people who pierced themselves through with sorrows. Perhaps the name Thomas Churnside doesn't mean much to you unless you were born in Australia. He was an Australian farmer who developed much of what would become Western Melbourne. He committed suicide with a shotgun. Uh, Charles William Post. He was the guy known as the serial king. CW Post, the American breakfast and food manufacturer, the pioneer of, of prepper, prepared food industry, Post cereals, General Foods were his companies. He took a gun and shot himself to death. Adolf Coors. The guy who who started the Coors Beer Company. He killed himself by jumping out of a hotel window. George Eastman founded the Eastman Kodak Company and invented the roll of film. Some of you don't know what that is, but it, it used to be very popular years ago. He's the one that helped to bring photography to the mainstream around the world. A fabulously wealthy man. Eastman committed suicide using an automatic pistol. Ivor Kruger. Again, a name you may not be familiar with, but boy, is he ever a big name over in Sweden. He was a Swedish financier. He was an entrepreneur and an industrialist. He founded the Kruger Corporation in Europe. Now, in the time between the two world wars, Kruger was one of the most powerful businessmen in all of Europe. At the height of his business empire, he was worth, in today's value, over $100 billion. He shot and killed himself. Arthur Chevrolet. Did you catch that last name, by the way? Chevrolet. Some people say it's, uh, I know, a little French, Chevrolet. A little more Chevrolet Coupe, but Arthur Chevrolet was a Swiss American race car driver and an automobile manufacturer. His brother Louis Chevrolet helped him to launch the automobile named after him. Arthur suffered from depression, and although he was fabulously wealthy, Arthur committed suicide by hanging himself. Leonard Samuel Schoen was an American entrepreneur who started a company you've probably never heard of called the U-Haul Truck and Trailer Organization. He killed himself by driving at high speeds and crashing his car. John Clifford Baxter was a former Enron Corporation. You never hear much about Enron anymore, but it was really big, not that many years ago. He was a huge, big, successful executive. He was very, very rich. At 44 years of age, he killed himself with a gun and left a suicide note to his wife. Chung Mong Hoon was the son of the founder of the South Korean company called the Hyundai Corporation a conglomerate worth billions and billions. He took over the company in 1997, and he killed himself by jumping out of the 12-story office building. Theodore C. Borlongan was the last president of the once-strong urban bank in the Philippines. He was unofficially known as one of the leading bankers of his day, and he shot and killed himself. Richard Wieland was a computer software pioneer and one of the first five employees of the Microsoft Corporation. He became fabulously wealthy. He took a gun and killed himself. Zhang Shuhong Hong was a Chinese businessman and factory owner who rose from poverty to extreme wealth. Shuhong Hong hung himself. What am I saying here? I'm saying these 12 men spent their lives doing nothing. Sorry, they did not. I'm sorry, they didn't do nothing. They, what I'm saying is they did not produce any fruit unto eternal life. That's what I'm trying to say. They produced some kind of profit, but there was no profit unto eternal life. They produced nothing for the glory of God. They played with money, and they suffered for it. They pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Someone here today is probably sitting and smugly thinking, well, that's them. It's never going to happen to me. You go talk to someone who's been in an accident, they'll tell you the same thing. Talk to someone who's got cancer, they'll tell you the same thing. It happens to other people, it'll never happen to me. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth, take heed, why? Lest he, what? Fall. Lest he fall. And any one of us could fall tomorrow. You got a good job, you could lose it tomorrow. You got good health, you could lose that tomorrow. You have loved ones, you could lose them tomorrow. Anything and everything you have could be lost tomorrow. Everything, God could just simply go... (sighs) and blow on it. It's gone. Never to return. That could happen. Don't think it couldn't because it can happen. In in fact, listen, you're in Luke. Turn back a few pages. Keep your finger in Luke. I want you to go back to Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8. And I want you to see a very important verse in the Bible. This is so important for everyone here today. Male, female, young, old. This is so important for everyone here today. Mark chapter 8. And I want you to look at the words of Jesus. And I want you to read his words out loud together with me. So take a Bible or look off a Bible beside someone who's who's beside you. Mark chapter 8 and verse number 36. You see that? Let's have everyone reading now, shall we? Let's read together. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Hey, how about that? Jesus, God himself, told us there is no profit, there is no fruit in doing what any of these 12 men did. They lived for money. It's like living by the sword, you die by the sword. Live for money, you'll die by money, it seems. My friend, don't make the mistake of living a barren, fruitless life. I've been saved now for a number of years. I've been in the ministry going on 40 years. I've seen Christians come and Christians go. I've, I've seen, I haven't seen it all, I don't think anyone has, but I've seen a lot in ministry, in council, in marriage council. I've been at bedsides, I, I've been in hospital, I've been at gravesides, I've been with people all my life. And my lock, stock, barrel and trade is people and their soul. And I've, I've taken notes along the way. And here's something I've noticed. A fruitless Christian eventually backslides. That's what I've noticed. A Christian who is not consistently bearing fruit. Eventually people are going to say, Hey, whatever happened to so-and-so? They don't come anymore. Well, why not? Well, they just lost interest. I've noticed that. You know, it's a mistake to think That all you have to do is come and sit on a Sunday morning and hear some preaching. That is a mistake. That is a mistake. You may as well eat one meal a week. You have to feed yourself every day. That's why your mother and father taught you, you know, from your just little, just how to hold the spoon and how to feed yourself. That's why your mother and father taught you as you grew up what makes for good food and what makes for not good food. And, and just keep your, your treats and sweets and candies to a minimum and get your proper nutrition and a good diet. And of course, they would have taught you other things as well. But likewise, you need to feed yourself. If you're not feeding yourself daily with the Word of God, you're shriveling. And it's only a matter of time before you... you like the fig tree you can only shrivel so much and then your branches fall off and people come around and cut you and use you for firewood that's about it that's about the bottom line of it here folks don't make the mistake of living a barren fruitless life you and i only have one life there is no reincarnation folks that's a lie of the devil people don't come back that doesn't happen you're not going to die today and come back next Wednesday as somebody else. It will not happen. You have this one life. That's it. When it's over, that's it. You've got all eternity now. And what you've done in this life will determine what's gonna, what you're going to do in the next life. Obviously, if you're saved or lost in this life, that's a big determining factor. But if you're saved and you're bearing fruit, that's going to carry through to eternity. If you're saved and you're barren, That's going to carry through to eternity. It's very important that we get this truth down. Very important. We have this one life. Only what's done for Christ will last. But there are many things that are profitable. Praise the Lord. There are many things that will make progress in your life and my life. Hallelujah. Uh, You may feel you're too old to produce fruit. You may think, Pastor, I'm too old to produce fruit. I'm 37. And I'm way too old to do any of those ministries, any of those things. I'm not a young man anymore. I'm 37 going on 38. Or maybe you feel 107 going on 108. And you think I'm too old in order to produce fruit for Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something interesting about a fruit tree down in Massachusetts in a town called Danvers, Massachusetts. Somebody planted a pear tree many years ago. Say, how many years ago? I'll give you a hint. When was the King James Bible first published? Anybody know? 1611. Nineteen years later, in 1630, a guy named John Endicott, who was, I believe, the governor of Massachusetts, planted a pear tree. That's 389 years ago, and it's still bearing fruit. Amen. Did you know the Bible promises you that if you will seek the Lord, you will bear fruit even into old age? That's God's promise, whether you think 37 is old or 107 is old. Now, let's take a look again here at Luke chapter 13. And let's look at this together. It won't take long. Luke chapter 13. Look at it with me, please. In verse 6, he spake also this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. All right. And he came sought, and sought fruit thereon and found none. So here there was a, a master who planted a fig tree. Now it may take a year or two, a couple of years, whatever. Uh, it was planted in a vineyard. And so it had ideal surroundings. The ground was, was well taken care of. I mean, vi- vines are... Persnickety things you've got to take good care of them the ground and you know keep the foxes away and everything So here the guy put the fruit tree the pear, well a fig tree. He put it in the vineyard It wasn't out in the wilderness. It wasn't on the Rocky Mountains. He put it in the best possible place right in his vineyard and Time goes by and when it should have produced figs It didn't and he came and he sought fruit thereon, and found none." No figs at all. Now verse 7. Then said he unto the dresser of the vineyard, this is the guy that worked for him, maybe like his head gardener. He said, Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree, and find none. Cut it down. Why cumbereth it the ground? And so his thought was to get rid of it. Folks, if you had a fig tree, if you had a pear tree, an apple tree, And you put it there in order to get apples or pears or figs or whatever, and it refused to bear fruit. What good is it? You say, oh, but, Pastor, I'd hang rope from it and put a plank and make a swing for my grandson. You could do that if you want. But that's not what this guy did because he was a businessman. you imagine a businessman that has, I don't know, 50 employees, and he finds one that just sits there? and reads the newspaper in the morning and plays on the internet in the afternoon and he doesn't bear any profit and doesn't bear any fruit for the employer and the employer comes in one day and sees this and he comes in another day and sees the same thing he comes in the third day and sees the same thing what's he likely to do with that employee? What? Fire him. You know, why are we paying salary to this guy when all he does is read the newspaper in the morning and play on the internet in the afternoon? Get rid of him. And bring in someone who will do the work, do the job. That guy is not producing any fruit. He's not producing any profit for the employer. This man in our story here, he was a businessman. He was in the fruit business, if you will. And he had vines and he put a a fig tree there in the midst of his vineyard. And when he came three years in a row and he found there is consistently no fruit, his desire was get rid of it. Maybe we'll try a new one in there. Maybe we won't put anything. But it cumbereth the ground. It's chewing up valuable resources. When we water, some of it's getting sucked into this tree. Now, verses 8 to 9, the dresser, the gardener, basically says, Sir, give it one more chance. Give it one more chance. You and I will never know how many last chances God has given to anyone in this world. You and I will never know, and maybe we don't even need to know, but I do believe with all my heart that there are people in this world, Christian people, that have messed away their lives and spent their lives trying to get more money and spent their lives trying to do more of of everything else except bear fruit for the Lord, and God has giving them one last chance, and maybe one last chance again. But then there finally comes one last chance. Now, in our story here, in the parable, can you imagine if this tree could talk? And here's the tree planted in its master's vineyard, and it's just loving it. It's got the nicest soil. It gets watered. It gets cared for. It's got everything it could possibly want or need The master is just looking for it to bring forth some fruit. But if this tree could talk, maybe the tree would say, why should I bring forth fruit? That just takes resources. It takes my time. I I got better things to do with my time. Why should I bring forth figs? I can't eat them. He's just going to take them and who knows what he's going to do with them. No, no, no. Just let the gardener come day after day, year after year. Let him prune me. Huh? Let, him, let him get the bugs away from me. Let me flourish. Let me drink in all of the water. Let me just take it all. The gardener had come and interceded on behalf of the fig tree, didn't he? If the gardener had a, hadn't a said what he said, the master would have gone, got an axe and chopped that thing down. But the gardener came and he interceded with the master and said, Lord, wait, time out, wait, please. Let me dig around and put in fertilizer. Let me give it some special opportunity. Give it one last chance. And then after that, if it doesn't bear fruit, then cut it down. What if that tree could talk? tree has no idea maybe that this is its last opportunity. You and I are not told what happened to the fig tree, are we? It never tells us. It's like we're left hanging. Well, what happened? What happened? Did the fig tree, you know, get right with God and bring forth fruit? Well, what happened? What happened? We're not told. Maybe it's just as well. How would you like to see the story turn out? What do you think happened? Did the fig tree finally shake its branches and get its head together and say, hey, I've got to get busy? I got to start to be what I've been called to be. I got to start to bring forth a little bit of fruit here. I believe with all my heart that you and I are not too much better off than that tree. Don't ever make the mistake of thinking, I can just live my life and do whatever I want. I don't have to bring forth fruit. I don't even have to go to church. I don't have to read my Bible. I don't have to do anything. I just have to live my life and just be the captain of my own fate. I can do anything I want. That's an illusion. Your life is in the hand of God. And at any time, all he's got to do is stop your heart from beating. At any time, all he's got to do is anything he wants to get your attention. But did you know you have no guarantee on tomorrow? You may die in the middle of the night. And all those dreams and plans. I wonder how many people have inherited a huge amount of money only to die in their sleep that night. How many people have won the lotto only to get murdered by a relative for the ticket? You say, oh, really? Yes, really. I read the news a lot, and so I see these stories happening all over the world, even here in Canada. Of people crazy enough to think that money is the, the reason in life. I remember many years ago, an accountant, this is back in the city of Ottawa, an accountant once told me, and I think he was kidding. But he said to me, his philosophy of life is that when it's all over, whoever has the most toys wins. I'm sure he was kidding. But it's amazing how many people sort of follow that philosophy. Don't you and I make that mistake you and I have been called to bear forth fruit. I'm asking you today, are you a fruit-bearing Christian? I want to give you four ways in which you can bear fruit. You can write them down if you like. Number one, there is fruit in personal Bible study. I'm always asking people, are you reading your Bible? What have you learned from your Bible? So many people answer me, well, uh, I haven't read it for a while. There is Fruit in personal Bible study. Write down 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Write down Psalm 1.3. Now the context is getting into God's Word in in Psalm 1, 3, and, and it's Psalm chapter 1, and verse 3 says, And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. I ask you, are you studying the Bible every day looking to know God's will? Are you studying the Bible every day looking to know God better? and how you can be a success for Him in this life. If you're not, you're the loser. If you're not, you're cutting yourself off. You will wither. And one day you will have your last opportunity. Someone will be interceding for you in prayer. and You won't even know it. Someone maybe halfway around the world will be on their knees, on their face, praying for you because they've heard about your, your lifestyle and they're praying for you and they're begging God to give you one last opportunity. You never know. You never know. There is personal profitability and fruit in Bible study. Number two, there is fruit in being spirit controlled. Boy, is there ever a lot of fruit. Let me read it for you. It's in Galatians and chapter five. Listen to this. But the fruit of the spirit. Now there's nine items you're about to hear. Being spirit-controlled, that means laying the control of your life down to the Lord. That means getting on your knees or on your face and saying, Lord, I want you to fill me. I want to live my life for you. I want your goals to be my goals, your will to be my will. When you pray this way, the Holy Spirit will begin to fill you. What will be the result? Fruit. And other people will see it. And here it is in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. There's nine powerful items. If every home and every family had even half that fruit, man, we wouldn't see the divorce rate we'd see. We wouldn't see the world wars in the families and homes that happen today. If we even had half of that... There is fruit there is profitability in being spirit filled. So that's the second way. The third way, there is fruit in being a faithful servant. That's why I'm always encouraging every Christian get a job, get a ministry. I don't mean get a job for the ABC company. I mean get a job for Jesus in the church. Get a ministry, do something. You say, "Oh, I don't know there's anything to do." There are lots of jobs that can be done. Trust me. Philippians, I'm sorry, Philemon Uh, 1.11 says, which in time past was to thee unprofitable. Now he's talking about Onesimus, the runaway slave. And he says, in time past was to thee unprofitable, but now profitable to thee and to me. Onesimus was a runaway slave from Philemon. He ended up in Rome, got arrested, put in a prison, and his cellmate was none other than the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul got talking to him, led him to Jesus Christ. He got saved. God got him out of prison, and Paul sent him back home to Philemon with this letter, tremendous letter, but I wonder how many here have read it. And in that letter, he is now profitable because he's a servant. 2 Timothy 4.11 says, Only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. The question is, are you being a faithful servant? Are you a fruit-bearing Christian? Get a ministry. Get faithful serving the Lord. There's jobs to be had as ushers and as greeters and as nursery workers and as security personnel. In the bus ministry, we need workers. We need bus drivers cleaning the church we need team leaders that will help listen just being faithful in your attendance three times a week sunday morning sunday evening wednesday evening there's fruit in that being faithful in your tithing and in your faith promise to keep missions going there's eternal fruit and blessings of god in that you might ask me why should i be faithful why should i because that makes you fruitful to the lord it makes you fruitful to the lord and profitable to other Christians. Say, how do we know that? Because when you come here, the church is clean. There's others here to greet you. There's others here to teach you, and they become profitable to you. They help you to be in your spiritual progress. Why? So that now you can be profitable. So there's three ways in which you can produce fruit for the Lord. Here's the fourth and final way that I have for you today. There is fruit in being a soul winner. You can write down John chapter 4 and verse 36. It says, And he that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit unto eternal life. Excuse me. That both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. You have to learn how to let your light shine. We are offering you a course on soul winning. If you've never taken it before, it'll cost you $10. If you say, I'm broke, I don't have $10, I'll finance it for you. Come and see me, I'll help you. But we've got the course available for you, for whosoever will. Come and learn how to witness to the lost. Come and learn how to hand out gospel tracts. Come and learn how to pray for lost souls. Come and learn how to let your light shine. Psalm 126 verse 6 says, He that that goeth forth and weepeth bearing precious seed shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Proverbs 11.30, we got it right up there on the wall, He that winneth souls is wise. The rest of the verse says, The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. Listen, I know it. You don't have to beat me over head. I know it. There's someone here today saying, Pastor, I could care less. I'm just waiting until this is over because I'm going to go to lunch. God bless you. But for the rest of the sane-minded people, God is speaking to our hearts today, folks. And he's telling us to be fruit-bearing. That's his will for your life, for my life. If you get to heaven and you've borne no fruit, it's not God's fault. You've been given a wonderful vineyard in which to be planted. The ground has been carefully looked after and watered and cared for and fertilized. There's a wall around the vineyard to keep the wolves and the bears and the little foxes out. God has provided everything for you. He's provided a Bible, a Holy Spirit. He's provided preaching, Christian fellowship, opportunities. It's all there. If you get to heaven, there's no rewards. Don't blame God. If you get to heaven and for all time and eternity, God can't use you the way he's using many others. Don't blame God. You know something? It's not rocket science anyone here today. You say, but I'm not very good in English. You say, I'm not good in public speaking. You say, I, I don't think I could hold a conversation with my shadow. It-, it doesn't matter your inabilities. Forget that. It's God's ability. He's looking for a useful vessel that he can pour his power in and through. Listen, listen to me. You never know. One more chance. Lord, give him one more chance. Lord, give her one more chance. That's what I think we ought to take from the Scriptures here today. Now, listen, if you're here today and you're not born again, you're not actually part of God's family, you've never had that born-again experience, you don't need fruit. You need life is what you need. After the life will come the fruit. But you need to be born again. You say, I didn't know I had to be. Oh, trust me. Trust me on this one. If you're not born again, And you die, you'll be forever in hell. You need to be born again. Jesus, in talking really to to Nicodemus, but to all of us, he said, ye, plural, must be born again. That was the message of the Son of God to all humanity. Ye must be born again. You must be saved. And you must know you're saved. And you can do it. It's not rocket science. You can do it. Listen, if you're here and you are saved. You need to ask the question, where's the fruit in my life? Is there fruit? Can you point to it? Is there evidence of fruit in your life? Is there evidence from strong Bible study? Is there evidence from Holy Spirit filling? Is there evidence in ministries? Is there evidence in soul winning? Where's the fruit in your life, my friend? Are you a fruit-bearing Christian? When God examines your branches for fruit, what will he find? A fruit tree must bear fruit, otherwise, according to Jesus, it cumbereth the ground. To cumber means to cause stress and trouble. That's what it means. If there's no fruit, then the vines become stressed and troubled because of that crazy fig tree sucking up resources. If there's no fruit then other branches are cumbered, the soil is cumbered. Listen, the vinekeeper, the gardener is cumbered, and of course the owner of the vineyard is cumbered also. Where are the prophets? Where is the fruit? Where are the victories? Where are the souls you've influenced to Jesus? Maybe you've never actually won a soul, but how many souls have you given gospel tracts to? How many souls have you witnessed to? How many souls have you prayed for? Is there any evidence of that? Where are the lives changed for God's glory because of you? Are you a fruit-bearing Christian? In this parable here in Luke chapter 13, it's like Jesus gives us a chance to bear fruit. Lord, give him one more chance. Give him one more opportunity. Where's the fruit? Let's stand to our feet, please, for a word of prayer.